If the saying is true that life is the sum of the decisions you make, then what happens when a major life change occurs that wasn't your choice? Hi, and welcome to Think Well, Think Better. I'm your host, Tom Latona. I'm an artist, a writer, and a storyteller. And in April 2020, amid the global COVID pandemic, I was unexpectedly diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. The timing of these two major life events have helped to reshift my thinking and reshape my mindset as I move forward into a confusing world on the outside while managing an unpredictable autoimmune disease on the inside. Think Well, Think Better is a podcast aimed to raise awareness for those in the MS community and to serve as a source of support and inspiration, not just for those whose lives are impacted by this confusing and devastating illness, but for anyone who could benefit from making personal improvements in their lives. Think Well, Think Better is a story of overcoming obstacles and of reinvention, told through the unique lens of my life, and I share it with the hopes that it might help others along their journey. So join me as we discuss a wide range of topics aimed at personal self-development and share strategies to help face life's challenges with a more informed and improved way of thinking. Change starts in the mind, and if one wishes to think well, then let's start thinking better. All right, there's a lot to discuss. Let's get to work. Earlier today, I was out in my garden uh, preparing some notes for today's podcast episode, and... uh, it's just a wonderful day. It's sunny, it's warm, and I noticed this gentle breeze started picking up. And I also noticed at the same time that I was feeling aggravated for some reason. I couldn't exactly figure out why. Uh, so I took a minute and I observed the situation for what it was. And uh, the actual answer of this is very simple. Um, I had a couple notebooks laid out in front of me and I was compiling information from each notebook to put into my show notes for today. And because of that breeze picking up, uh, it was making the pages flap all over the place. It was just a distraction to my workflow. And uh, it it was interesting, though, to notice both the simultaneous uh, stillness and quietness of the moment while also understanding the frustration that was festering underneath it. It was sort of a cause and effect. The very thing that I was enjoying, the breeze, was the very thing that was causing me some distress in my life. Low-level distress, but distress none the same. Uh, But the reason I bring this up, though, is that is a microcosm of a number of series of events that I have experienced in some capacity, and I probably will, Uh, in the future experience similar things to varying degrees. Um, And I've been through quite a bit of a storm where it seemed like all of that was crashing down on on top of me. And at the end of it all, I just really appreciated uh, that moment, though, that, that singular moment of hearing that breeze push through the leaves of the tree, you know, my, my bamboo, uh, wind chime that's in a terrible state of disrepair at the moment uh, that was gonging away and there was a a metal uh, wind chime 
two doors down that started rustling as well. So there's this little symphony happening. And all of a sudden, all the sounds of the neighborhood seemed to have dropped out. And it was just me and the breeze. And instead of slapping my hands down and trying to get the papers to stop moving in the wind, I just allowed everything to happen. And in that moment was one of what I'm learning is uh, many moments I've been experiencing, especially lately, is these these moments of clarity and and contentment. Um, I, I, I think this is what inner peace feels like. <laughs> and if it is, uh, it feels pretty damn good. So um, everyone, take, take a little time today if you can. And this is just free information. Um, see if you can't just sit quietly for a couple minutes and, and really just listen. Listen, not to your thoughts, not to the voice in your head, not to the impending doom of whatever you're stressing out about but just listen to the world that exists around you you're going to start hearing birds chirping and cars going by maybe a train horn far in the distance you know you start to understand that in those moments you are living there's nowhere you need to be and nothing else you need to be doing in that moment just celebrate that moment you're alive. You have this moment to all to yourself. It's just for you. So I hope that's something uh, positive and exciting to start today's episode off with. Um, So let's get going into that. Let's segue right into the second installment in this 10-part series on the 10 facets of life and how this program that I'm developing for myself uh, has been beneficial in my growth and my maturation through this, uh, what we could easily call a very trying period of my life. Uh, So the other day I released an episode uh, that was about the health uh, aspect of life, um, and I broke that down into five segments, physical health, mental health, emotional health, psychological health, and spiritual health. And that was just a sort of introductory uh, point into that one of 10 facets. Um, And today I'm going to move on to the second most important facet, in my opinion, which is your life view, your worldview, your life outlook. You can call it a bunch of different things. Um, I think it's just easier to call it your mindset. And the interesting thing about mindset is not only is it uh, one of the core values of this podcast and my life in general, um, but this was a real testing ground for me during this period three years ago um, when COVID and and diagnosis came at, you know, relatively the same time and my whole world got shook up a little bit. Um, I had understood in that moment that Nothing I did got me to that moment. This was an external chain of events that wasn't affecting me personally. So it wasn't anything I was doing wrong and needed to modify immediately, but I also understood in the same sort of train of thought that what I was carrying into this new season of my life needed to be evaluated. I might not have the best grasp on certain things and maybe I had really good grasp on things and maybe there were things that I sort of knew and um, had been programmed out of me, societally speaking. Um, So all those things were kind of jumbling around. It was quite the mess, to be honest with you. Um, 
so I took it upon myself to sit down and say, I'm, I'm going to figure this thing out. I, I almost have to figure this thing out. Um, it's not one of those situations where I just want to make one or two improvements to my life and then everything will be amazing. Um, this felt different. I had never experienced anything like this before. It really was um, a devastating blow and jarring because nothing felt familiar anymore to me. Um, and as we discussed in the last episode, um, I did have the luxury of quarantine as time and space to sort of collect my thoughts and put this, uh, this system together for myself. Uh, so now three years later, here I am sharing it with anyone who will listen to me in the hopes that it'll help you as well. <clears throat> so let's, let's kind of stay on that topic of early spring 2020. I had, you know, COVID was shutting everything down or has shut everything down. Uh, the whole globe kind of hit pause at the same time, it seemed. And then I get smacked over with this, this diagnosis that is going to change my life. I, I'm just, I know it, right? Um, the, you've probably heard the expression like living in survival mode. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, this was fighting uh, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. Uh, in the beginning, it was like being out in the middle of the ocean and a giant storm coming and just kind of bouncing your boat left and right and masts are breaking off and people are falling overboard. And you could imagine it was quite the chaotic scene um, in my life. That's survival mode. You know, that's when your fight and flight instincts kick in, which is one of the oldest instincts that is hardwired into us as humans. It's right in our DNA. And it goes all the way back to probably when we were still Neanderthals and Cro-Magnon, when we lived relatively feral lives, we needed to know what that noise in the bushes were because it was probably an enemy at that time, like a saber-toothed tiger or something, but uh, (laughs) we outlived those. Um, But some sort of threat was rustling in the bushes, And at that point, you don't have time to necessarily figure out uh, 14 or 15 different avenues of egress. Uh, it's, it's, It's fight or flight. It's either stand your ground and get into it with whatever's in those bushes or run like hell. Get safe. And it's instinctual, you know? Um, This actually exists in what's comically known as our lizard brain, which is a section of the brain that's kind of deep inside. And it's one of our oldest parts of our brain that still resonate with that. Um, Fight or flight is hardwired into us. You know, like if you were hiking on a trail in modern days uh, with relatively no real fear of a saber-toothed tiger, but a guy in a ski mask jumps out with a knife, fight or flight, right? You either kick him in the nuts and run away or you just run away. Um, at no point in that scenario do you stop and worry about if your taxes are done. You know, <laughs> like there's not a lot of deliberation that needs to happen. And that's a survival skill because you don't have time to waste figuring out a bunch of nuanced details. It's, you know, my life or theirs kind of thing. Now, 
I had no saber-tooth tiger with me. I had no man in a ski mask and a sharp knife, but I did have some serious existential threats come to my doorstep. Outside of my house, there was COVID, and we discussed this already. Uh, it would have killed me probably within a day if I had it. Uh, now I'm vaccinated, I feel somewhat safer, but not totally. Uh, but in that time period, would have killed me. So, threat. Furthermore, the thing that is in me, MS, had been in me, and now I have a name for it, and I don't know. I, 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 you know, I just found out there's a name, but I don't, at this point, I don't know what MS is, really. I could trust the doctors that I have it. I do. I saw the scans. It was explained to me. I did the research on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. This isn't a misread. I have MS. But really, what the hell is that? You know, it's different for everyone, so it's not like someone could just say, check these boxes and you have MS. It's how did they present with me, where are the scars situated and the lesions, where are they on my brain, and and what's going to cause symptoms to appear, disappear, reoccur. Nobody knows, nobody can tell me. It's one of these super mysterious things that's just like, hey, figure it out. So that was my job. I had to figure it out. I was in a survival mode. I needed to get my mindset wrapped around it where I could be positive about whatever was going to happen for me. And that's not such an easy ask, especially when you think about the compounding nature of all the things that were changing around me. It was, I don't know how else to say this. It was mind-blowingly weird. For a long time. Absolutely the strangest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And and one time I almost met Guy Fieri. So, <laughs> all right. So what, what happened during this period, um, a lot of really cool things, bizarre things, weird things, painful, uncomfortable things. But at the end, all really good things. Only because my mindset was correct. I think if I would have went into this with a negative point of view, I, 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 ooh, I don't know. I couldn't even tell you what I might have been capable of doing um, to myself, especially. Um, and I'm glad I never even had to go there. But right from the get go, I just had something, you know, intuition, something just telling me, hey, it's going to be okay. You just have to figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it the F out. All right. So. Like I discussed in the last episode, I had a little time. I had a little space. The only other thing I needed was more information. And that's where the mindset facet of life comes in and why it's so important and it permeates throughout everything. It's, it's almost like having the right intention on something. You could still fuck it up. But if your intention was pure and you meant to do the right thing and you just didn't execute it, correctly, that's a forgivable thing. That's a learnable lesson. You can move on from that. Other people recognize that. They'll, they won't hold you to it, you know, if your intentions are good. So I had to get the right intention. I, I needed the right mindset intention. And I had what I had going into it, but I knew I needed something a little bit more. Um, I sort of looked at this as if I was in, if I was in a battle, you know, you, you, I could I could be overly dramatic right now and tell you that I was in a battle of my soul, which I think I was, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I was 
every day I was getting up and I was battling these 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 things. Like what what is this? Is the uncertainty, the anxiety, the depression, the sadness, the the fluctuating emotional currents within me, the physical pain just from weird symptoms. Like everything felt like I was being ripped apart in tiny little pieces. And it was my job to put them back together. But the cool thing is I learned really quickly, not all of those pieces needed to go back inside. So if you could imagine I was like a 3D cartoon animated image of myself and you were to explode me into pixels, um, not all of those pixels needed to stay. A lot of those were just outdated habits. They were old, you know programming from childhood it was some sort of societal paradigm that I was expected to do this and like you know I had to look at each and every one of those and decide yeah you're not for me anymore and just gracefully let them go that's a great habit to get into um but when you have to do it all at the same time it is uh, beyond overwhelming and I didn't have a lot of support at that time uh, I didn't have a lot of guidance. I didn't really have a direction to go into. Uh, again, I was in survival mode. It was, what do I need right now to get through this moment? And sometimes it's just like that. And you have to fight through that battle. You have to fight through that storm. You have to fight through that insecurity. You have to fight through whatever it is that's holding you back. And you know what's holding you back. Um, you got to face it. You got to stare dead in the face and say, I'm, I'm bigger than you. I'm better than you. I'm going to figure this out. That, to me, is what survival mode is. It's uh, tactically reprioritizing your life so that you're not wasting resources and energy on thinking about your taxes when you're getting chased down by a guy in a ski mask and a knife. Make sense? Okay. So somewhere early on, I had this message pop into my head. I don't know where it came from. I don't know who to give it credit to, but I wrote it down in a journal one day, and it just said, do what is required. And that was kind of all I needed in that moment. It's just do, what, do what's required, not what I want to do, not what I think I ought to do, especially now what other people think I should be doing. Do the thing that is required in that moment. This, I, I could end on that, to be honest with you. That's all the advice anyone needs, especially if you're newly diagnosed. Take a breath. Take a breath and just think about what do you need in the next moment. Do you need to sit down? Do you need to get quiet? Do you need to be around somebody? Do you need to at least reach out and ask for help. What, what do you need? And then do it. Put some action behind that thought. Energy always follows thought. So if you could dream it up, you can make it happen. That I think is, I think that's what people are talking about when they're talking about manifestation. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really understand that myself, but I think that's how you manifest. You, you conceive it and then you put action to it and then you can achieve it. And I truly believe that anything is possible. You just have to do the work for it. So do what's required. All right. That's what I sat down to do. That's when I wrote down the 10 facets of life. I revised it. I started writing in depth about it. To me, how my brain works and how I categorize information inside my memory 
is I in I like breaking things down into almost like bullet point things. If I could have it filed away in my brain, I don't have to actively hold on to that information necessarily. I could just retrieve it when I need to. So as long as my organizational skills are in order, mentally I'm speaking, I can go find the folder, open the folder, find the subfolder, find out whatever that information is and pull it out. I'm also old enough to know what the Dewey Decimal System is. So if what I just said makes sense to you, congratulations, you're probably over the age of 40. If you don't know what I'm talking about and you're younger than that, I have news for you. The internet has not been around forever. <laughs> Might have been your entire life you've had the internet. Not all of us have grew up with the internet. Some of us had to go to the library and look through a filing system to find a book we're looking for, which, yeah, I just said another old word, right? Book. Yeah, book. It's that paper thing with pages and written words on it as loads of information that nobody seems to read much anymore. Whatever. It's not the point. So in order to change my mindset, I realized what I needed to do was a number of things. I needed to uh, take all of those pixels that exploded into the air and take a look at them and see which ones really, really fit me. And then I could bring them back in. I didn't have to worry about gluing them back in place yet. I just needed them collected. And then that freed me to let go of all the other things that I didn't need. Now, what happens at that point is you have a bit of an emptiness or a void, because you used to be this, quote, complete thing, and now you're sort of, you know, fractured off into pieces, and when you put it together, it's like trying to glue back together a, a ceramic a vase, um, but you don't have all the pieces, and there's obviously a big missing gap that's not going to hold water, and it doesn't look pretty, right? So you got to figure something out. Can you make a smaller vase out of it? Maybe, probably not. Ceramic, you just deal with it. It's at this point I could go into a Kintsugi sort of analogy, but I'm not going to do that right now. But uh, in case you're wondering, that's when the Japanese, they use gold to glue back pieces of ceramic or teacups and it improves the look because you're up actually upplaying the injury or the scar instead of trying to hide it and disguise it. And it's like giving second life to something. There's a whole lot of metaphors and a rabbit hole you could go down with that one. And maybe I'll do that in another episode. Kintsugi, though. It's pretty cool. So anyways, I went through this thing over the last three years um, where I was every day focused on my mindset. Health, mindset. If I could get those two things clicking on cylinders... I felt that the other eight things on this on this wheel, this uh, 10 facets, they would start to fall into place when I needed them to. But priority was focus on your health, focus on your mindset, and start to put those pieces back together little by little. It's a process. This is not a, a life hack. This is not a red, blue pill, uh, blue, bleh, red pill, blue pill thing. Um, this is a no pill thing. This is not a quick fix. This was my life moving forward, and I needed to get a grasp on what the hell was going on. This is what I've learned from that process. I'll share it with you today. I basically took this idea of deconstructing your mindset, deconstructing yourself, and then rebuilding yourself, the version 2.0 of you, um, 
it kind of, in my mind at least, breaks down to about five stages. Now, this is unscientific, so don't, you know, quote me on anything here. Don't hold me to it. It's just trying to push this information out of my brain and out into the ether, and this is, seems like an easier way to organize my thoughts. So take it for what it is. Um, but there are, let me double check, yeah, five sort of stages that I experienced when I went through this. Um, and the first one I call asleep to awake. And this is when, it's just like it sounds, you, it, when you are asleep, you're kind of out, right? You're, you're alive, but you're not cognizant of the world around you. And if you're a deep sleeper, you know, you sleep through a lot of things, thunderstorms, dogs barking, fire engines in the middle of the night, that sort of thing. But you're asleep, you're alive, you're just out of it. And suddenly in the morning, you wake up, you're alert, you're aware, you're brain is now firing on a different frequency and in the first 30 minutes that you're awake you're probably at your peak you know most people are anyway um i could get into the whole frequency of the the brain and circadian rhythms at some other point but asleep to awake is just that your i felt like i would been sleepwalking through life i was cognizant i was aware i think i what happened was i got really comfortable and comfort isn't the worst thing ever, but it kind of is because comfort equals complacency. Now, to be fair, I had worked my ass off to get where I was in life and I earned everything that I had. I'm not ashamed of anything that I have or where how far I got in life. I worked for it. I really did. And I succeeded at it. To my standards, not to anyone else's standards, but to mine. But at some point along the way, it started to settle into just maybe I stopped striving. I stopped reaching. I, I, I would put things off for just another day, maybe, because it wasn't urgent. I wasn't hungry anymore. You know, I'm like my belly was full and I had comfortable furniture to sit on. And there's something to be said about having that, but then you miss the hunger, you know, when you're driven, when you're back up against it and you have to do a thing, you know, that's, I don't know, I get juice from that, you know, I, I get some energy from when I'm in those types of situations. So, so looking back, maybe, maybe this was necessary, you know, this whole process was maybe long overdue. I don't know. I can't say that for sure, but I do know that. It it took uh, that massive catalyst moment in my life for me to start the process of reevaluating and working at developing myself into a, a more elevated, evolved version of myself than I was. Doesn't mean that who I was before I didn't like. Just you could always improve something, right? So that was my mindset going into this. Uh, I was asleep. Now I was awake. Well, what happens during this period is you, you start to gain a, an actual genuine acceptance of the situation as it is. It's not, it's not what I want it to be. It's not, I would prefer it this way, shoulda, woulda, coulda, all those go out the window. It's just an honest, objective look at what it is without judgment, without expectation, 
without wanting it to be something else, without grasping at another possibility. Just what is it? In other words, like, it is what it is. That's acceptance. Acceptance isn't blindly following something or just throwing up your hands and saying, well, I guess that's the way it is. It's, it's understanding what it is. And that's going to look different for everybody, obviously. But in my case, you know, it was a lot of, it was a lot of craziness. It was a lot of weirdness and a lot of things I didn't fully understand. Um, and that's okay. That, that's what it was. That just even more supported this feeling I had that it was just something I was going to figure out. I just looked at it like a giant puzzle. Like, I love puzzles. I'm going to figure this thing out. Give me the space. Give me the resources. Give me the information. I'll piece it together. Just don't stand in my way when I'm doing it. That's all I needed, you know? So asleep to awake is the first step. Um, That's huge in acceptance. No judgment there. Just see it for what it is, identify it, call it, respect it, see what it is. If you don't need it, let it go if you can. If you don't know how to let go yet, don't worry, that comes later. You'll figure it out. But at least you know what stays, what goes. And then you start working towards keeping the things you need, letting go of the things you don't. Step two is the understanding phase. After acceptance, I found that I was started to see the, the, the true nature of, of reality. And it wasn't a total shock to me at this point that I was seeing this. Um, in the spirit of full disclosure, I have, since I was a small child, always felt... I always felt that I saw the world differently than other people, which is a hard thing to contextualize and quantify because how do you know how other people see the world, right? Um, So it sounds like a stupid statement to say out loud. But what I really mean by that is when you talk to people, when you get their sort of life views, how they view the world, I started noticing that I wasn't seeing it the same way other people were talking about the way they saw the world. And then growing up, often enough, I would have a teacher or uh, another adult, usually a grown-up, never kids, who would say things like, you know, (laughs) you see the world differently, or you wear different colored glasses, something to that effect, you know, you dance to the beat of your own drummer. You know, that more than once in my life I'd been told that, and it doesn't, it's not like a life-changing statement when someone says it, and it's not a hateful statement, it's something people say, but you hear it enough times and you put it together with the idea that I just genuinely felt sort of separated from the rest of the world, um, that starts to come into play. So I always had a different idea of reality, I guess, um, and, and, and this stage, the second step of it, uh, really brought that to the forefront for me, and I wasn't expecting that necessarily, but um, this, <laughs> it is what it is, right? Um, but it was cool. Like, what, so what do I mean by like seeing the true nature of reality? Well, that's going to be different for everyone if we all project our own realities out, 
all right, based on our life experiences and who we are, just our personality types, our DNA makeup, and whatever the hell we're dealing with at that moment is going to influence, uh, you know, the, our reality. If you're going through a lot of shit and you have a shitty attitude, your reality is going to be kind of shitty, right? But you can go through shit with a positive attitude and say, hey, I'm, you know, I got some, some struggles. I got some things I'm working on, but life's pretty good. You know, there's a difference there. There, there's a huge difference there, as a matter of fact. So your reality is really what you create. And when you start to see the true nature of the reality, you realize it's not the uh, generational traumas that have been passed down when your parents raised you and then they raised you a certain way based on they were, how they were raised and, and all that influences you, your friends, your social circles, your job, your environments, all the things that we're going to discuss in the 10 facets segment, um, all those things play into helping you shape who you are, whether you know it or not. And some people call that programming. Some people call that paradigms. It is outside influences that that slowly seep in and like a good sculptor with a ball of clay will sort of shape it into whatever, you know, shape it needs. I would hope a a vase because apparently in my analogy, I just broke one. So the understanding of the true nature of reality really comes down to reorganizing the priorities that best align with you. Now, wherever your priorities align, when I say with you, I go back to what I talked about in the last episode of whether or not your spiritual belief system puts you with a creator God or just a a Buddha nature kind of thing or, or the universe as a whole and the great cosmos or whatever. Uh, it could be the flying spaghetti monster for all I care. But there's something that you connect with. And it's not an outside thing necessarily. I believe it's an inside thing. So you're realigning with yourself. And sometimes your priorities need to shift to compensate for that change. That change is really uncomfortable, by the way, because you're stripping down and deconstructing old patterns and building new ones up. This is where it's super helpful to have a good support team around you or one or two people who understand the process you're going through will be beneficial. If you have it, cherish those people. If you don't, I highly recommend going out and trying to find them. They're out there. You can find them. Um, they won't come to you. You have to go to them. That's the way this works. I don't know. Don't ask me why. It's just the way it works. So as your priorities start to realign, um, you start to kind of break down this, these parts of you or deconstruct these parts of you. And uh, you know, the, the, the great uh, uh, psychoanalyst um, uh, Carl Jung calls it ego death. I think it was him. It was either him or, or Nietzsche. Anyways, one of them called it ego death or death of the ego where you it, – it's not ego like, oh, boy, I look, I look sexy. You know, it's not that. It's the ego is that, that voice that it, really its only job is to keep you alive. It just wants to um, – it, it wants to survive, and then by default, you survive. So it's going to lie and tell you a bunch of things that maybe aren't true just so it doesn't die. You need to go kill your own ego. This is a humbling experience, to say the least, um, and no one else can do this for you. This requires a lot of time by yourself and a lot of reflection and introspection and a lot of honesty. Because if you're going to continue to lie to yourself and use addictions as a way to uh, ignore the real problem, you're running in circles on a hamster wheel of hell. 
uh, at some point, it's going to make sense to you to say, it's time to be honest with myself. This would be the stage that generally, in my experience, that's when it's going to happen. And in those priorities, I think what I found was I didn't have the energy anymore to fight a bunch of battles. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't fight my stuff and also deal with other people bringing their stuff into my world. You know, I just had to get super firm with my boundaries and start isolating myself from the problems. Right? They're, they're not the problems. That's not a finger-pointing statement. But they're, if it's external and you're coming to me with it, that's a problem. If it's an MS thing, that's mine. I'll deal with that on my own. That's no problem. I'll take care of it. I'll do what I have to do. I'll do what's required of me. But if you're an external source of aggravation for me, thanks but no thanks. I'm, I'm not even going to argue with it. I'm just going to walk away. I don't have the energy for it. You know. So this is kind of the idea of if you want to win wars, you fight less battles. Make sense? Okay. So the third stage of this is uh, what I call investigation. This is where I noticed I was isolating what was a distraction for me, and I would remove them from my life. Almost exclusively, the distractions were of an external source for me. And I've covered this before. It does have to do with other people, and that's one of the toughest things is part of this 10 facets, um, not including what I'm talking about today. Today is completely under your control to change. Your mindset's yours. You, you could create that any moment you want. Just say, I want to start working at thinking more positively. Boom, start working at it, right? You're the only one in your way in that situation. But some of the other ones are external. You know, if you're dealing with uh, your job, which is other people, family members, friends, you know, if you're in a romantic relationship or any kind of relationship, really, anything that relies on another human being, good luck. I mean, people, <laughs> you know, um, what can you do? They're going to distract you. But you get to decide whether their distraction gets through or not. That's your, that's your boundary setting. And we'll cover that in another episode. Boundaries are huge. They're not walls. They're protective barriers for both people, in my opinion. Obviously, it protects you from this outside rigmarole. Um, but a good boundary with someone that you care about just tells them, hey, this is a line um, that need not be crossed. And here's why. You know, this will be harmful for everybody. So it's not a barrier in the sense of a wall. It's more of a, like a see-through dome in the Simpsons kind of thing. You know, you could see it. You're just saying, I need to be on the side of it for a little bit. When I'm ready to come outside, you know, we're cool, right? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. You stated your case. And that's the way it should go. In theory, it doesn't. I don't want to be a, a I don't want to ruin your party, but... Not all people take uh, boundaries well, let's just say. Which, also, for what it's worth, if you set a boundary and that person gets all pissy about it, there's probably a reason that boundary needs to exist in the first place, right? So you'll that's part of the investigation. 
Less distractions, more focused work. This is where reading and expanding yourself comes in. This is this is where I, I was like chasing down like new and different um, viewpoints, you know, like opposing viewpoints at sometimes. There were times I think I would have something understood and I would purposely go and try to find the opposite point of view that somebody has on it just to contrast and compare. I didn't want to get stuck in a thing of, of like, this is the way. I just wanted to know a way. I wanted to know, hey, that that resonates with me. But there's something about this I probably don't agree with and I haven't figured it out yet. So let me go find who their sort of opposite is and what they're saying about it. And somewhere in the middle, you'll find a nice mashup of like both, you know, whatever it is, you know, like whatever it's two, uh, I don't want to say opposing philosophies, but two different philosophies. And how do they align? Where do they feel the same? And where do they definitely separate? What can I extract from each one? Um, for me, that was super beneficial because I didn't get stuck in a one particular ism. I wasn't like, this is this. I just said, I'll borrow from this. I'll take a little from this. I'll do this. It's like a, it's like a Chinese buffet. You just have a little bit of everything if you play your cards right. But you have to investigate it for yourself. This is not a one-size-fits-all situation where you're like, okay, here's this one book. This, is the one, this guy said this one thing. Follow this exactly. If that works for you, that's awesome. It doesn't work for me, and it requires me to do a ton of reading and a, a ton of research and a ton of investigation, but that's okay. That's fine with me. I, I actually enjoy that kind of stuff, so it feels natural and fluid to me, and it's not an alien concept to constantly be growing and changing my mind. So for me, it works. Maybe it does for you too. Um, and, and just in that, it's that that willingness to allow yourself to be a dum-dum again, <laughs> you know, like pretend you don't know anything and you're just learning everything for the first time. Do you, can you get to a place where you have this willingness to seek out new experiences and new people, new situations? You know, you probably walk by a, a store, you know, uh, once or twice a week and you never look in the window. And one day you look in the window and you realize they sell some really cool stuff. And you're like, whoa, this has been in my neighborhood this whole time. Like, I, I was so blinded, you know, I was just sleepwalking. I wasn't stopping and smelling the roses, preferably. So, like, can you be willing to do that? Can you be willing to say, I don't know, but I'm going to find out? That's a big step, in my mind at least. Once you start to venture out a little bit more, you're you know that 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 third stage is kind of the cocoon stage, if you will. You're doing a lot of soul searching, a lot of by yourselfing, a lot of reading. You just don't have the energy to expend on anything, much of anything. Uh, you might re realize that there's a lot of relationships sort of falling away at this time. Um, you know, I don't. That's, I, I couldn't say for sure, but I, it's not always like a bad thing. It's just, you know, that's the way life is. It's always temporary. Just people kind of phase in, phase out. And if you need to go in and do a little retreat with yourself, the world's still going to happen outside your door. Just how interested are you in being a part of that world right now? You know, maybe your best thing is just being at home with your plants and your books. Sounds wonderful, if you ask me. Uh, but at, at some point, just like, uh, you know, a butterfly does, 
it needs to come out of its cocoon. It needs to break out, and that's the fourth stage I like to call emergence. This is when we're we're coming out. We're sort of taking all the stuff that we're piecing back together, and we know we're not whole yet, but we're getting there. And, you know, we have the things we need, and we definitely got rid of a lot of stuff we don't need. So it feels light. It feels liberating. And this is where we become by doing, and we do by becoming. It kind of goes hand in hand. The more you do the things that you're now trying to put into practice, the more you become that person who does those things that you want to be doing. And the more that you do those things, the more you become and you come and you do and you do and you become and you become and it's great. It's just like this uh, rhythm to it, you know, and it builds and builds and builds. But really, what is that rhythm? It was, it, it came down to a choice for me to just boldly step into the unknown, to just walk right into that void and say, I can't even hear an echo. That's how empty this is. But it's not going to stop me from screaming. I'm going to scream, I'm going to yell, I'm going to echolocate my way to something. And eventually it'll bounce and I'll hear an echo back. And I'll know somewhere in the darkness it's that way. That's where I'm going to go. I mean, Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness. I did more than 40 days, but... I'm not comparing myself to him. I'm just saying, sometimes you got to go into the wilderness. You got to disappear into the abyss, into the darkness, into the muck, into the ugly parts, and you just, you're there. You're in it. That's the cocoon. But at some point, you find a ray of light and you start to come out. And you step as boldly into the light as you stepped as boldly into the darkness. And as my buddy Marcus Aurelius often says in his book, Meditations, you're putting words into work. Meaning, take what you've learned. Take who you've become. Don't wait for yourself to be this complete thing yet. Be okay with being a little broken. But you've learned so much along the way. Get out there. Get out there and start putting it to use. Start Start embodying the person that you want to be. Don't just talk about it. Don't just say, when the time is right, I'm suddenly going to become this compassionate, loving person. I'm going to look for the positivity in everything. When it Just start doing it right now. Like Do whatever it is that you want to do now. Because I guarantee you, you, you already have those tools inside of you. Just yet to unlock them. But you'll start to figure it out as you're doing it. I don't think the world ever changed because someone sat on their couch all day. You know? So that's emergence. That's coming out. And that's that's difficult at times because you have to sort of reintroduce yourself to the world and say, here I am. You may have known me in the past, but I am not that version of myself anymore. I'm just letting you know. So let's meet each other again for the first time. And this time, instead of having you in my life just because I've known you for so long, I'm interviewing you to see if you vibe with this new version of me. And if your worldview and your mindset is something I aligned with in the past but no longer align with now, I'm going to wish you good luck and I'm going to go my way. I'm not going to spend a lot of time 
trying to convince somebody that I'm right there wrong. That's not my thing in life. I just want to be around people who understand me, who have the same vibrational patterns as me. I want people who swim instead of just sitting in a filthy puddle. I need movers and shakers and doers and creators in my life. I don't need energy vampires and people who manipulate and only use me for when they need me. I am not the only person on the planet who feels this way. I know it. I don't know who you are listening, but I know you can attest to that. They, those people exist. I don't want them near me. I don't even have the patience for it. Get out of my life. Get, go, shoo, shoo, go. Get out of here. Scram. So after the emergence phase comes, what is that? Okay. Uh, after the emergence phase comes the alignment phase, as I'm calling it. And this is where all that work that you've been doing and now you're emerged out, it starts to piece together. And it's this new mental outlook, this new mindset that creates the new opportunities for you to further learn and expand yourself. It's crazy how this works, you know? So all those new habits and practices that you started to form, that you figured out this is what I need in my life, all of those practices start to form a new lifestyle around you. So now you're the person who does sit down and journal and meditate and eat healthy and avoid negativity and set proper healthy boundaries. You're now that person. You do that. You're not only doing it, you're living it. You're embodying it. Your reality will have to change around you if that is what the reality is that you're making. I don't know how this works. I really don't. It just does. (laughs) You're going to have to take my word for it. Even better, try it yourself. Try it yourself and see, and come back and tell me, tell me how amazing it is, where all the magic happens. I don't question it. I appreciate it. I love it. It's great. The more you can harness this, the more you realize that so much in your life is under control, that you have it. It's right there, except all the shit that's on top of it makes us think that we're spiraling out of control because we can't what, determine the next second or the next 15 minutes of our lives or what's going to happen next week? When have you ever been able to predict the future? When have you ever been able to tell exactly what was going to happen unless it was programmed into you? Like, for instance, if you work this job 40 hours a week, we give you this much amount of money, then you can afford this much of life, and then you're constantly in the cycle of not having enough money to do Really the things you want to do, but just enough to keep satisfied, right? Well, you could predict that as the future. If I continue doing this pattern, the pattern will continue. Congratulations, you're a soothsayer. But can you really predict the future? Can you really say, I'm going to be alive tomorrow? Or do you know if death's weird hand is going to tap you on the shoulder and be like, it's your time, buddy. And not to be morbid, but that's the truth, isn't it? That we don't know when our time is up. So how much time would you spend thinking about all the things that might go wrong when you have all these amazing things that are going right, right in front of you, right inside of you, and you're creating them? Sure, you had to go through some rough shit to find this. But doesn't that make it worth it? Doesn't, make, doesn't that make the battle worth fighting? I say yes. 
So those are the five stages of what I'm calling the mindset deconstruction rebuild based on my experience of entering into a world of uh, COVID and MS at the same time three years ago. This is the second of 10 facets of my life that I felt I needed to get a firm uh, foothold in to understand it and to seize uh, the potential that I have to change it. I had a lot of change come into my life abruptly that wasn't my decision. This is my way of gaining some control. And it turns out it's way more control than I ever thought was imaginable. And it can be for you too. So I want to leave you on this, this one quote. And I'm probably lifting this and paraphrasing it from five or six different sources. So I don't have an author for this, but it just came through me. I want you to just meditate on this if you're going to meditate today. Meditate on this. The key to finding inner peace is the belief that it already exists within you. Good luck on your search. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Think Well, Think Better. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are intended for informational entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for professional medical advice. I realize our time is our most valuable resource. So if you chose to spend yours with me today, thank you very much. And if you found this podcast helpful, please like and subscribe to be notified when new episodes are released. If you found value in this podcast, why not share it and recommend it with a friend to help grow and support awareness for the MS community? As always, you can join the conversation on Instagram at thinkwellthinkbetter underscore podcast or email me at thinkwellthinkbetter at gmail.com. Love you all. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.